It's wonderful to see such a great crowd gathered. We have folks online that are joining us today. We have a lot of folks that are here today, a wonderful crowd gathered here in the middle of the summer. I think it's because we've had such cool weather this month that it's brought everyone out and they're really looking forward to being together and spending uh, a lot of time together. Joyce and I are especially blessed uh, this week. As many of you know, we have our four grandchildren uh, with us, Sam, uh, Isaac, Ella May, and Will. And so I hope that you get to meet him. <clears throat> you will not find uh, be- more beautiful, more intelligent, uh, more fun, uh, better behaved <clears throat> um, children uh, anywhere, at, at, at least when their gammy gets back from taking Will to blast. So um, it is wonderful to have uh, everyone here. It is especially meaningful to Papa uh, to have our grandkids here with us this week. <clears throat> Since 1973, one issue has been especially polarizing. And that issue, of course, is what? Abortion. Abortion. I think if you were going to write a... Um, uh, Fill in that blank on your own of the one issue that's been the most polarizing. You might have a different one, and you very well uh, could make a strong case for that. Might actually be uh, correct. But one, certainly one of the ones that has been especially polarizing is abortion. And it's been that way since uh, uh, Roe v. Wade was passed uh, in 1973 legalizing abortion at any time for any reason uh, during uh, a woman's pregnancy. A few figures. The Guttmacher Institute's latest figure, which is for 2019, said that 916,460 children's lives were taken in abortion here in this country that year, 2019. The CDC figures are always smaller because the CDC doesn't uh, take into account certain other states that don't report in a few other conditions. Somewhere around 65 million abortions have occurred in the United States since 1973. And we think of that as a horrendous number. But I think it's good for us to also think of that as... uh, a horrendous loss of life and potential and leadership and service that could have been for this country and for our world by those babies who did not survive their mother's pregnancy because of a choice that their mother and perhaps their father and others made. The deeper issue, of course, is the more basic question, and that is this. Not are you against abortion. There's even a more basic question than that. The basic question is the title of this sermon, Do You Value Life? Do you value life? It's one thing to say, well, I'm against abortion. It's quite another thing to say, I value life, all life. The life of that child in the womb, absolutely. The life of the mother that's carrying her, absolutely. 
the life of the elderly person that some think is no longer worthy of living in society, the life of the disabled child or adult, the life of the poor. Do you value life? Life is sacred to us because life is sacred to God. You say, Bill, it can't really be that simple. It is that simple. It is that simple. The reason we value life is because God values life. Valued it enough to create us. Valued it enough to send his son to save us. Valued it enough to give us the church to help us throughout life's ups and downs. We see it starting in creation in Genesis as God created man and God created woman in his own image, in his own image. We'll talk about sexual morality next Sunday as we get to the next of our commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. Today we're speaking of life and valuing life. When Jesus comes on the scene, John 1 introduces us to him even before Genesis 1. John 1 starts at a time before Genesis 1. Genesis 1, as you know, starts out in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, including humanity, including man and woman in his very image. All men, all women that way. But John 1 begins even sooner than that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was active in creation, and the Word was the revelation revealed to us light and life. Life. And that Word became flesh and lived for a while among us, John 1, 14 says. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Life is sacred to us because life is sacred to God. And so we value life. The first four of the Ten Commandments were vertical, addressing our direct obedience to God. You shall have no other gods before me, for example. The last six commandments address our indirect obedience to God, focusing on our actions toward other people, loving our neighbor as ourselves. If you want to divide the Ten Commandments into two great sections, the first four have to do with Jesus' great commandment to love the Lord your God. The last six, more of them than the first actually, have to do with his second great commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. Today we talk about valuing life, which is Obviously, something that indirectly honors God and respects His Word, but directly loves our neighbor as ourself. Whatever their circumstances, whatever their conditions. Last week, we spoke of honoring your father and your mother, as Scripture tells us, and called on each of us to treat all in authority with respect, with the title, Is Respect Just a Great Aretha Song? Commandment number six is this, hold all human life sacred. Hold all human life sacred. Exodus 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. The question this commandment asks is, do you value life? 
It does not ask the question, have you ever physically killed anyone? (laughs) For almost all of us, that would be a much easier question. We have known, Joyce and I have, individuals who have ended someone's life, actually served time for murder. But for the most part, we would answer no. But it's a deeper question than that. The question is, do you value life? And so a few things about this commandment number six, hold all human life sacred. First of all, what this commandment does not forbid. (laughs) We have to talk a little bit about what it doesn't include and doesn't apply to in a direct, specific, all-encompassing way. And the first is the obvious one. Um, I mentioned the NIV translation, you shall not uh, murder. The traditional translation of that is what? You shall not kill. Well, I think that's a little bit unclear. And so we have to contrast murder versus kill, first of all, because all killing is not condemned. How do you know that, Bill? Well, do you know what the punishment for breaking this commandment is? It's to be put to death. (laughs) So I realize just from a logic perspective, it can't mean all killing, Because to break the command gives the society permission to take your life. So if you have killed someone, then the society has the uh, uh, blessing. Some would say under the law, the commandment to kill, to take life for life, limb for limb. So whatever this means, it can't mean that, can't mean that. So let's talk about a few things that it doesn't forbid, and that may help us get to where we can apply it in a positive way. First of all, what this commandment does not forbid, it does not forbid accidental or justifiable homicide. We understand that, right? We still have laws today in 21st century America that acknowledge that. There are laws that will allow someone to take someone else's life if their own life is in danger, if they are acting in self-defense. If someone takes another person's life and it is completely unintentional by accident, we understand that they would not be guilty of premeditated murder as someone who committed that crime would be. And the Old Testament acknowledges those things. Secondly, what this commandment does not forbid is police and other law enforcement. Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 and other passages in Old and New Testament speak of how important law enforcement and the civil authorities are in a community. Without our police and sheriff's department and other law enforcement, where would we be? It would be anarchy. It would be above and without control. And so this commandment does not forbid the actions of police and law and other law enforcement. And so we support them. We encourage them. We pray for them. I don't know about you, but whenever I see a, a, a police car and I'm driving and they're beside me or they're in my rearview mirror, like all of you, and I'll say it out loud, the first thing I do is take a look at my speedometer. <laughs> okay, we know that. But the second thing I do is offer a prayer. Thanking God for that person and for that department, and for that protection. Asking God to bless them 
And not just them, though, the ones who are waiting at home, who kiss them goodbye that morning or that night with a prayer that they would come home safely. We cannot begin to understand the sacrifices of the families of those who are involved in police and other law enforcement, and we appreciate them and we pray for them. Thirdly, what this commandment does not forbid is capital punishment. There may be other reasons for not believing in capital punishment. I think there are significant reasons for that, personally. But this commandment does not preclude that. There may be other reasons for not believing in capital punishment, but this particular law does not forbid it. For the Old Testament, again, called for the death penalty for several sins, including premeditated murder, kidnapping, breaking the Sabbath, even dishonoring your parents, according to Exodus 21. Paul, in a hearing himself on trial in Acts 25, before the Roman governor Festus, affirmed that if he had done anything deserving of death, he would accept that. So we understand that this law, in and of itself, again, there are other considerations, but this law, in and of itself, does not... Uh, mean that capital punishment itself is wrong. And then lastly, justified war or serving as a soldier. Because if the previous one is right, then this one must be true also. If you can have police and law enforcement out there, then you can have a joint effort of police and law enforcement action that is protecting the nation. And in a sense, uh, protecting the world. Rubel Shelley writes, just as self-defense is justified for the individual against an attacker or a city's police force against a band of thieves, so may a nation defend itself against international murderers or thieves. Again, logically, that is certainly true. I can say a little caveat here is that it, um, it certainly does not condemn a conscientious objector. Joyce and I were born and raised in San Antonio, which is filled with Air Force bases. <laughs> Uh, The church that we went to while we were in high school and served at in our first ministry was the Lackland Terrace Church of Christ. It was called that because that area was Lackland Terrace because we were five minutes away from Lackland Air Force uh, Force Base, perhaps 10 minutes away from Kelly Air Force Base. Uh, On the other side of town was Randolph Air Force Base and Fort Sam Houston Army Post. It was filled with a military presence and in our church... At Lackland Terrace Church of Christ, this wonderful young adult man whose mother was a godly angel at our church, super very faithful in the midst of that community of faith, there was this young man who was a conscientious objector. And he didn't hold it against any of his brothers and sisters in that church. And there were a lot of them who served in military, who had taken up arms in previous wars appreciated them, prayed for them, could not conscientiously do that himself. I think there's a lot more that I could say about that, but I won't. Nations and their leaders are called upon to maintain justice, order, and security for their citizens and for all. We live in a fallen world which is far removed from God's ideal and vision at creation. So pray for our leaders, our civil leaders, our church leaders, our world leaders, and for our servicemen and women and our law enforcement and all of their families. They have a tough, tough job. However, communities and nations are to hold elected officials, law enforcement officers, and military soldiers and their leaders accountable. 
to be responsible in their actions. This doesn't give those who are taking up arms in defense of the community or the country carte blanche to do whatever they think is right. And that's why we have laws in our land that protect citizens and that help to establish that even law enforcement and military are subject to obey the law and to do what's right. Okay, enough about what this doesn't mean. Here's a few things that this means to keep this commandment. What does it mean to keep this commandment? What does it mean to value life? So first of all, obviously, is respect the life of others. Respect the life of others. And of course, that applies to murder, assault, or personal injury. And I would also include psychological attacks, emotional assault on someone. Scripture condemns that. This commandment condemns that. If we value life, that means we value the life of that person. And if we value the life of that person, then we will not seek to physically or emotionally assault them. Typically, that's done because of a control issue. Typically, that's done because one person has power, physical likely, over another person, and it doesn't make it right. In fact, it makes them more accountable to God because throughout Scripture, God condemns those who uh, were abusive of someone simply because they had the power over them. Jesus died on the cross to prove that that was not the way to go. Respect the life of others. Um, Secondly, this means abortion is condemned. There are lots of scripture passages on, on your outline that talk about this. Of course, the most familiar one perhaps is Psalm 139 that talks about how we are so wonderfully fearfully and wonderfully made, that you knit me together in my mother's womb. There's value to life from conception. And abortion does not acknowledge that, and abortion is a sin. In Genesis 1, we read that we are created in the image of God. In Genesis chapter 25, we read about two boys jostling and wrestling each other in their mother's womb because they were twins, Jacob and Esau. They had life. We read about Samson. We read about Isaiah. We read about Jeremiah. We read about the Apostle Paul all saying, you called me from my mother's womb. Imagine if their mother had chosen to end their life before their birth. And I love the stories in Luke chapter 1 of of Mary being told by the angel that she would conceive and that it would be the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, because even though she had not had relations with anyone, she would still get pregnant and that one would be the Son of God himself. And then later on, when she goes and visits her, her cousin, we think, of some sort, Elizabeth, who was an elderly lady, the opposite extreme. And she and her husband had been praying for a child all their lives and had never conceived. And now the angel comes to him and finds out that she's going to have a child and the baby is going to be special and called to be a servant of God and a prophet of God from the womb. And while uh, John the Baptist is still in the womb, about to be born perhaps in a few months, and Mary is not long with child, but still with child in her, When she enters the room and she says her greeting, 
John the Baptist just jumps and leaps for joy in his mother's womb because he hears the voice of the one who would be the mother of the Savior. And yet there are some who would say that child can only live if the mother and the father choose for it to you. Science increasingly affirms that life begins at conception. We talk about the pro-life generation. That's all you young adults and young people because you know, you know. My generation, we glorified and idolized sex. And again, more about that next week. But a part of that was being able to take the life of an unwanted child because of an unwanted pregnancy. And that is wrong. And you know it. You know it. The Supreme Court's ruling in the Dobbs case recently, overturning Roe v. Wade, turned the question back to the states. Didn't abolish it. Turned it back to the states. And so we celebrate this decision. Glad for it, absolutely. But our prayers and efforts continue. And we must recognize and acknowledge the difficulties that are involved here. The mother and her situation. The emotional and physical difficulty of carrying this baby through to an uncertain future. And why do we care about that? Because it is not just that we are against abortion, it's that we value life, mother and child. And we will not put her away and say, you need to be sure that you don't get an abortion, but good luck, God bless, on figuring out how to do it from here. That's wrong. And if we value life, we value hers as well. We must minister to and help those who choose life for their unborn child. A great ministry that does this is Christian Homes and Family Services. Our church has supported them in the past, and we still support them in some ways. And it is a wonderful, incredible ministry that helps mothers of unwanted pregnancies, that helps individual families adopt, and it's just a blessing to be associated with them by fostering children. We have several families here at West Turwin who are fostering now or have fostered in the past, and of course, adopting others. Christ offers forgiveness and healing for all who have sinned. And we, we want to say that. I want to say that every time I preach against abortion that there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. And that it is no worse and no better a sin than any other sin that Jesus died on that cross to save us from. As James told us about earlier, his blood was shed for you. His body was broken for you. And there is forgiveness and there is acceptance. Respect the life of others is what this commandment means. And another aspect of that is euthanasia. Just as abortion is wrong on one end, euthanasia is wrong on the other. Typically, you think of older people who are being helped to die. But it can be anyone. It can be any age. It can be young or old, depending on the circumstance and the situation. What is euthanasia? It is actively causing someone's death. And the fact that it's done medically doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make it value life anymore because the life is still taken. And I do want us to make an important difference between intentionally and actively causing death versus passively permitting death. Hospice and palliative care 
units like the one we have here in Tyler are amazing and incredible. And they offer a service that I'm not sure I could actually do to help people go through that very sacred, very glorious time at the end of their lives without a lot of pain. And that's so important. But that's different than bringing about their death. Some people may choose not to receive treatment. That's not the same. Not the same at all. Euthanasia is certainly condemned if we value life. Perhaps you've heard this quote before. Ever since I came across the story of Martin Niemöller, I've been haunted by it. He was a minister of a church in Germany in the 1930s. Eventually, he became one of the millions of victims arrested and killed in Hitler's concentration camps. But before he died, he wrote this. In Germany, they first came for the communists, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Catholics, and I didn't speak up because I was a Protestant. And then they came for me. And by that time, no one was left to speak up. We must speak up. We must speak up. What does it mean to keep this commandment? Secondly, it means respect my life. (laughs) Respect my life. 1 Corinthians 6 talks about how our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God lives within us. And therefore, we should honor God with our bodies. And so deliberately, physically harming one's own body directly or even indirectly through neglect is a sin. It's wrong. And I will say that we have a wonderful gift in our society today, and that is the newly established 988. Just like you call 911 for emergencies, you can call 988, and it connects you directly to the suicide prevention uh, hotline and crisis hotline, 988. Typically at the top of the causes of death in America each year are diseases that are preventable. (laughs) Many of those deaths are preventable by a change of lifestyle and habits. In other words, eating right, exercise, no tobacco use, those kinds of things. By receiving consistent medical, medical care. And yes, men actually doing what the health professional says. <laughs> by managing stress more effectively and so forth. One study from 20 years ago said in 2000, well over a third of all deaths in the U.S., could be attributed to a limited number of largely preventable behaviors and exposures. A third. And that was 20 years ago. I respect the life of others. I respect my life. And then thirdly, I consider what I think of others. It's not just what I do. It's what I think, what I hold in my heart. Why would you say that, Bill? James led us to Matthew chapter 6 in one of Joyce's favorite passages of Scripture In the chapter before, in Matthew 5, Jesus begins that wonderful Sermon on the Mount. And he goes back to the law and he says, You've heard it was said, you shall not murder. But I say to you, I say to you, don't be angry at your brother or sister. Don't treat them with contempt. Don't say things that are derogatory to them or about them. Because when you do that, you have committed murder in your heart. And you are not valuing the life that you are degrading. 
And we might add, Jesus might have said, I died for that person. How dare you? How dare you think of them in such a way? So many other scripture passages that are there, such as 1 John 3, verse 15. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. So I respect what I keep in my mind and in my heart concerning others, how I think about them, what I dwell on, what feelings I encourage myself to have, what feelings I seek to overcome and defeat. And I realize that these are things that our kids are going through, and I feel for our young families. And I, I honestly can tell you I'm not sure what to tell you about how to deal with this in a home of children and teenagers and young adults that are growing up with this, this lack of regard and value of life. But I can just say a few things. Number one, talk to them. Listen to them, first of all. Talk to them. Ask them what they're going through. Ask them when you see something on TV. Do you know somebody like that? And listen to them and then teach them. Teach them. Talk to them. Talk to them and talk to others. We have so many people here that can be great resources for you that have lived a life or maybe living the same life you're living now. We have an incredible group of young adults here, single and families, and you need each other and you have each other. And it's so wonderful to see. That was the biggest blessing for Joyce and me of all, to be able to be around other young couples and find out that their kids were just as stark, raven, mad as ours were. It was such a blessing. Such a blessing. And then talk to God, of course. You're already doing that. Probably already doing all of these things. So we close today, two, two statements. Because God values my life, I value the life of others. This is where we started, right? Why do we value life? We value life because God does. And he valued my life. Because God values my life, I value the life of others. And then secondly, because God values my life, he sent his son to give his life for me. And that makes you special. That makes you important. That makes you significant. And you may not find anywhere else in the world that's encouraging you to have a high self-esteem, to feel significant, to feel loved, to feel like you have value. You have value in the eyes of God because he created you in his very image. And because he sent his son to die for you. You could not be more important. This morning, if we can help you value life, come as we stand, sing our song together.